You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And that's the rhythm I can dance to. Oh, I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to. That one big heart that's beating fast. Tomorrow morning, let it rain. Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble on drum. Beat out old trouble on drum. Beat out old trouble on drum. And kick all trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. And kick all trouble out the door. Kick him out the door. Kick him out the Well, well, do you know what's happened, boys and girls? This is Radical Australia, and we had a guest who was going to come in on the phone in New South Wales, but I think he's been arrested. He keeps getting have arrested you into automatic, have you? for blockade activities. So we now have a real guest in the studio. Come in, producer. I've just done your work for you, Kelly Whitworth, and so have the wonderful people from that... Lazy. Our community radio in the yes, house. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank you for being nice to old people who had no guests. Oh, yes. I got to. Do I really have to put these on, Kelly? Uh, Kelly did all this work finding a nice repeat. Do you know that? And you just turned up with your gold teeth. Now, introduce yourself to the wonderful people. Give the people, people some original data. Thought. Yeah, well, introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Jasmine, Jazz for short. That's it. Barzani. Barzani. Mm-hmm. Oh, mi piaccio, nomo Barzani Palitaliano. No. Uh, Lebanese. No, mm. Kurdish. Kurdish, that's even better. What, uh, which call- Kurd? Which Kurd? Iran. Iran. Iran Kurdish. See, I know, I know my Kurds, you know, I know my Kurds in ways. <laughs> Sorry for the blame. It is afternoon, you realise that. <laughs> I like having the experience of being in the studio because last time we did this, it was on the phone. Yes, mm. I remember. So now we have the in-person experience. Yeah, look, a lot of, a lot of people, and women especially, would say it's not an experience. <laughs> it's a nightmare. <laughs> Kelly will tell you that. Look, Kelly, I'd like to apologise profusely for the uh, muck-up before, but if you're going to get young blockade activists to talk to us from New South Wales... Who keep ending up in jail. So what's happened with this person? We don't know. Okay, but what's the blockade? Oh, this is Blockade Australia, and we were going to talk to a youngster who's uh, spent some time in prison because of the activity, but unfortunately we can't uh, raise him. So we've got you. Yep. All right, first of all, I know this is very personal. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't ask you this, but we have talked before. Why have you got two gold teeth? I have two gold teeth because it's cool. No, it's not. <laughs> it's very old-fashioned. It's very old-fashioned. <laughs> yeah, well, that's cool. It's, well, I can understand. You realise that portable wealth was exceptionally important for the uh, 
Kurdish communities. Yeah. Mm. That's how some of them, well, I don't know about Kurdish communities, but I've heard about people traveling with their gold and then getting rolled and then mm. basically mm. losing their entire, like, wealth. Mm. But that's not why these gold teeth are there. Not for that reason. I'm not well, transporting my wealth. They're not worth very much. Well, somebody knocked out your teeth and you had to be replaced. Yeah. Oh, that's not pleasant. We won't talk about that, will we? They cost the same as porcelain, so... Do they? Why not? Now, I was just talking about there's a lot of cultures where people are, have got a, you know, haven't got a sedentary type of lifestyle, more of a, a move around, more a nomadic lifestyle, and they carry their wealth as rings, bracelets, necklaces, ankle bracelets, gold teeth. Yeah. You know, it's the only way. And you get presents of mm. gold as mm. you're growing up, and then in the end you put it down as like part of a deposit for a house or something like that. Mm. I think it's a pretty cool concept. Yeah. It sounds good. Very old-fashioned. Can I tell you a story that will make your stomach turn? Mm-hmm. When, <laughs> when the Romans decided to get rid of the Jews from mm. Palestine, because they'd revolted three times, I think, what they used to do is if you revolted once, they'd put you down heavily. If you revolted twice, they'd destroy everything. If you revolted three times, they'd sell you into slavery and disperse the population. And they were surrounding Jerusalem, right? And people were trying to escape. And what the Roman, the Roman generals had to put out an edict for their soldiers to stop disemboweling people who were trying to escape looking for gold. The human experience is fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. You know what the Nazis did during the in the in the concentration camps? Yeah. Do you know what they did with the gold? No. They used to extract people's teeth. They had people specially who did that type of work. Uh, what are we going to talk about the next hour? Yeah, this is a, such a great conversation. Well, well Kelly, Kelly, Kelly. <laughs> Come uh, on. We, Kelly, sometimes you depress people by, sh- by showing them reality and sometimes you listen to lazy out you know what is it wednesday lazy what is it wednesday yeah, wednesday lazy afternoon you listen to those very talented women you know do a, a magnificent music show and then you get to this show where you know we, we need to calm people down otherwise I think that's what i'm saying calm people down not depress them no no let's have a depressing story competition yeah all right all right what's your no, most okay, de- joe, joe will win it though <laughs> tell me your most depressing story Look, because we, we, we've done an interview, right? So we've got to fill in the time. <laughs> We're paddling. Why did you volunteer to come in? Did you feel sorry for us or did you actually want to just speak about something? I'm a very helpful person. Yeah. I like being of service to people. Mm. So if there's something that I can easily do and there's a need that needs to be fulfilled, mm. then mm. I will happily do that. Well, that's good. And I saw you all kerfuffling uh, around 3CR. You saw her kerfuffling. Don't point the finger. At Kelly. It's she, rude to point. She's the Don't producer. You know she kerfuffles. I just sit back and go, oh, yeah. well. I was too busy doing other important things. Yeah, like trying to organise a repeat. So and all of a sudden. Trying to organise a rebellion. Now you have the Wednesday 3CR receptionist. In Radical Australia, times two, second time. I've been here before. The last time we had Jasmine on, she was producing her film about Bendigo Street, and now that baby's ready to be launched into the world Woo-hoo! in a matter me. of weeks. Excuse me, Jasmine. Did you actually finish that project? Well, yeah, it is finished. A 20-minute version is finished, so right. it's not the full feature length. Let's, let's do this because this is mm-hmm. important. You're a young, talented human being. 
unlike myself, you know, I just talk, but you do things. That's the difference. You know, you're young and you're talented and you're doing things. Talking's doing? Nah, nah, it's bullshit. <laughs> you walk the walk, you don't talk the talk. Now, you walk the walk, I talk the talk. Now, let's get back to you. How did all this start? Which one? The film? Or the film. The, the film. film. It all started when I was five years old <laughs> and my daddy, Najik's. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was giving you the depression, the depression story competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no. <clears throat> why, why, done, do, why do a film about those losers? Well, there's a lot to be said about why I decided to make this film. There's lots of different reasons, but mm. you know, the main reason was because it was a pretty significant thing that happened, and I was very much involved in a like important significant way and how how were you involved well you know the first meetings that we had in the squat at the time the social center hot shots where we were organizing what we were going to do with these houses actually how i first got involved was my fellow squat mate who mm -hmm. i was squatting with mm -hmm. at that time cat she heard about you know these east west link houses which were these houses that were compulsory required for the east west link and she heard about the like on the squatters grapevine you know oh there are all these houses that were quiet for the east west Link. there must just be like lying around the place empty you know so she like did some research found out about this street that was in a couple of news articles called bendigo street she goes down to bendigo street in collingwood and she finds an entire street of empty houses and she was my friend so she was like maybe we should do something about this you know so she kind of messaged people who were i guess in the kind of activist network the homeless network the kind of uh like squatting networks and we had a meeting and then yeah that was like in early 2016 and we decided to occupy kelly was there that was the first time i met kelly from the homeless person union also the producer of this show <laughs> in case people didn't know but yeah commiseration for meeting <laughs> kelly so um so yeah we decided so to... So what all you desperados congregated in Bendigo Street? Well, yes, yeah, we were just... basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe so it. So basically we were like, all right, let's just see what happens, you know, mm -hmm. let's occupy this house because, you know, the perspective, uh, the speculative vacancy report, which is released by Prosper Australia every mm -hmm. couple of years, mm -hmm. uh, does a like systematic kind of analysis of all of the houses in broader Melbourne that are uh, not using water basically That's and right. that reveals information about how many houses are just sitting there lying empty not being used and it generally what's wrong what's wrong with that um, i mean i mean you buy a house <laughs> yeah uh, you don't seem to understand modern economics all right but 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 wait like just to finish that thought yeah consistently for mm. like ages mm. that this report has been released the same percentage of available properties That's on right. the market have mm. remained empty. About 11%. Is it? Yep. About okay. a million out of about 11 million households. Yeah. But what's At the moment, it's about 60,000 empty houses. At the time, it was 80,000. I think oh, um, much more. Kevin Healy this morning on City Limits was saying it's 300,000 in Melbourne. Right now. The That's last right. census there, there is, there, there is wow. A million in Australia. A million in Australia. And do you know why? Yeah, I know why. Why? <laughs> Why are there so many empty houses? Because not enough squatters, obviously. That's one answer. <laughs> <laughs> not enough people squatting, yes. But also because we have a housing system that is designed around profit. So 
Now, can you explain it? I mean, otherwise I'll have to I can explain, explain it. Yeah, yeah, I can explain it. Like housing, like mm. the, the idea or dwelling, it, mm. the idea of like being in a safe place that you call your home and you mm. reside in mm. is the idea of it is that it's a tool for the generation of profit in perpetuity. Yes, but why wouldn't you? Like investment properties. Yeah, yeah. If you've got 300,000 empty houses in Melbourne and 1 million in Australia, now obviously some will be holiday homes and they'll be empty, but there'll be a significant proportion that are empty for a very good reason because of our investment-friendly laws. Yeah, totally. And and escalating housing prices. In the old days, mm. you'd buy a second house, yeah. you'd get your negative gear in, you'd bring in your pesky renters, you'd rip them off, make a bit of money, they'd pay the house for you and... That's the way it used to be. But today, it's even better. Because of hugely escalating property prices, you buy an empty house, you don't put anybody in it, you don't claim negative gearing, and you don't have to pay tax when you resell that house in after 12 months so you can actually acquire all the profit for yourself. So you cheat the government, the taxpayer, which is us, so there's less services. Yeah. You make extraordinary profit. You push up rents, you push up housing prices at the lower end of the market, and most importantly of all, you shit everybody off. Yeah. You know, and you just run away and you say, yeah. oh, well. So how many empty houses do you own, Jasmine? Five. Five, yeah. That's why I have gold teeth. Yeah, are they, are they little ones or are they, are they little playhouses? Mansions, actually. Mansions. Yeah. Oh, but well. I'm not telling you where they are. No, so pesky <laughs> squatters could, uh, yeah. yeah. Now, but let's get back to this. No, but so, like so, to so, simplify, so, yeah. So it was a very difficult struggle. Yeah. It was an exceptionally difficult struggle. We took um, Talk Back with Attitude down there and we did a, a live cross at one stage. So it was a very difficult struggle. There were. Uh, You're actually in the film, Joe. Oh, no. Doing that Talk Back Attitude. Don't worry, you're only in there for like one second. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Come to the event I and you'll see. I have actually got two tickets to Ooh. the event. Uh, Kelly wanted somebody to turn up, so she gave me two tickets. Okay. So, cool. technically, how difficult was it to get all the material? It was crazy difficult. <clears throat> Tell us how, how you... How you so, basically, straight off the bat... Actually, I love talking about this because I never get to talk about this. No one ever really asks me. Well, we ask the hard <laughs> questions here in Radical Australia. Um, so... <clears throat> Straight off the bat, like one of the reasons I wanted to make this film was because <clears throat> I was there day in, day out, and I was filming a lot because I studied film. That was my first degree, and I also just thought something really big was happening in Melbourne that I wanted to document. So I was just filming a lot just with my own camera. Um, <clears throat> and then <clears throat> I had all of this footage, right? And a lot of us, by the end of the Bendigo Street campaign, we were really burnt out. We were really kind of traumatized in a lot of ways because of the police harassment and all of, like, we were just really exhausted. And a lot of us felt like our stories hadn't been told fully in the right way with all of the complexities because it was up to mainly the mainstream media. And the mainstream media was giving a very, very superficial, reductive analysis. Like That's a big word. That was inaccurate as well like full of inconsistencies mm, yep, inaccuracies yep, yep. just constantly siding with the state and what they were saying and not really taking into consideration right. the mm, information mm, that we were putting right. bringing to the table like you know we're like yo like you need to be investigating this real corrupt thing that's going on and they were just like meh so <clears throat> yeah. 
So we were like, all right, that's how we felt, you know? And we were too burnt out at the time to really do anything about like, hey, let's tell our story, you know? So a couple of years passed and I'm like looking at all of this footage and I'm like, I should do something with this footage. Like it's just sitting here, you know? And I knew that as, I also knew that there was a lot of other people that I was seeing day in, day out on Bendigo Street that were filming. So I was like, there's more footage than this as well. So I started like contacting people, you know, I was like looking through the footage. I was thinking of people that I already knew, hitting them up, being like, hey, can I get the footage of you? Some people were like, yeah, of course you can have the footage. Some people were like, I had to bargain with them, hassle what? with them. They said it's copyright. They'll give you oh a copyright God. for shit, were they? Yeah. These are private individuals. I had to convince them, yeah. Yeah, they thought they were going to make a buck out yeah, of it. They, yeah, you're going yeah. to make a buck out of a film about Bendigo Street. Yeah, yeah, I little, love it. Yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah, and, they, and, they, and they wanted their cut. Absurd, totally absurd. And you don't yeah. even want to know how much they were asking. Because, because what? Yeah, tell is, me, tell me. How much were they asking? Come on, uh, well, we want to know. They were like, you know, this footage is like worth $1,000 per minute. A minute? Yeah. Well, if it was my footage, I'd ask for $1,000 a second. They were under... And if you saw the footage, you would piss yourself laughing because it was blurred. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's just like like crazy, you know, like yeah. someone's like high filming, you know, yeah, yeah. like the sky, the pavement. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's the type of thing I do. Like I, I, I had to pay for the data storage to store all of the pointless shots that they were filming. You know, they needed to pay me yeah. to take that footage off exactly. their hands because it was I'm, rubbish. I'm glad you learned the the essence of capitalism. <laughs> Now, going back, what type of camera did you use? So, I don't even remember the one I was using because it was just like a handy cam. Handy cam, right? Yeah, like a Sony kind of mm. handy cam. Uh, but the cameras that we then ended up using for the interviews. No, I forget about the interviews, but I mean, when you're getting the your time, raw data. Raw, raw data, data, it yeah. was just like a kind of handy cam video recorder. Right. I forget right. the name of it. And what was it was pretty old. And the quality? The quality. The good thing about it was it had um, image stabilization. That was the main thing that was Mm -hmm. really important. Mm -hmm. Because if you're using a photo camera just to film everyday kind of activities that are happening, you're not going to be able to use half that footage because it doesn't have image stabilization. So the really good thing about this camera was that. So in that sense, it's very stable and it's cool. And also the audio was very good because I had an attached microphone that... Uh, was had like a XLR, I think, yep, attachment, yep. and went directly into the camera. So the audio quality is also very good. So all that time you spent learning, yeah, basically paid off. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Know, it's so education. Oh, is you mean? Useful. Oh, do you mean at university? Yeah. No. 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 no, no nothing paid off. <laughs> no. 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 no, 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 no. You no, taught yourself mean, after. Yes, exactly. And I would not recommend studying. Let's not go into that. But like, I wouldn't recommend. Well, I would like to go into that. Here I'm thinking. Here I've got a professional, you <laughs> no, know, no, professional, no. and you're telling me you did this study, a waste of time, and then you had to teach yourself. Exactly, like oh. massive waste of time. I would never ever do a media arts degree at university, because if you want to actually make films, well, because a lot of it's theoretical, mm-hmm. and I've talked to people who've done like TAFE courses and like private courses that have gotten a lot out of their film degrees but for me studying like media arts and communications it's you're going to end up working like so, at an office in channel nine you know because yeah, so tafe is based on like work skills practical, like practical yeah. skills and higher ed is the mm. more theoretical philosophical so, so, stuff, so, isn't it? so you 
talk the talk in the higher education and you walk the walk in TAFE. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So how are you faring there, Kelly, in your little TAFE course? We I'm, may as well I'm, put you into I'm this. I'm enjoying it Because you're much. part of this conspiracy. Yeah, you I'm doing um, Cert 4 um, mm. in training and assessment. So really wicked course, learning some great skills. I'm learning how to design um, courses for um, adult learners um, that can pass like government muster, you know, mm. like all your checks and balances in place. It's very technical. It's very detailed. So, yeah, so how to design courses, um, how to um, design um, – I've lost my train of thought. Yeah, design the courses, how to implement them and how to actually train people and how to – the next cluster we're coming up to, how to actually assess people because you need to be able to assess people's competency because people are now going into the workforce they need to be able to meet the um, standards okay. the benchmarks mm. I'm really enjoying it but it's very demanding so you've been trained as a trainer that's right mm. and hopefully I'll be able to use my skills here um, from 3CR radio broadcasting and take those anywhere around the country um, with this qualification that's recognised in the sector. I think we'll call you a gorilla trainer. A gorilla be, trainer. You'll be going around the country <laughs> training people. Good That'd to see. That'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, so that's why I kind of piped yeah. in when uh, Jazz was talking about higher ed and TAFE. Yep. Yep. You know, I've got yep. a more of an appreciation for TAFE now. Yeah. Because mm. yeah. you, you, you've, you've been, you've done a higher ed. Yeah, and which I loved. Degree. I loved. It was yeah. philosophy, but mm. it, you know, and that's mm. all in your in your mind and ideas, and it has mm. its place. But yeah, I understand the distinction better now. Mm. Mm. That's good. Now, Jasmine, you got a problem. I've got so many problems. <laughs> no, I'm not interested in your problems. I'm interested in your film. Depression competition story. Go. No, no. You've just got a problem. You've got all this material. Oh, I you've didn't even tons. finish telling you. Yeah, keep going. Tell us then. So we contacted every single news Outlet. channel, mm -hmm. right? Got them to research their archives for keywords like... Bendigo Street, East West Link. So then they search. You have to pay for the researcher. Oh, right, right. I was wondering. I was wondering. How did you, what you, have did to, you do? Yeah. You have to pay for the researcher. They end up researching the archives. You don't get access to the archives so just all, directly. Where, where did all this money come from? I just paid for it. I want to ask you about your day job. You don't really want to ask me <laughs> no, about my day job. I don't want to ask about your day well, job. Well, it's not my day job anymore, but no, yeah. it used to be, right. To so, be. so it paid. It paid. It paid, not how anymore. How much did you have to pay? So it varied, but just for the research, about $300 per... Per station. Yeah, but mm. it had a per hourly rate, which was like 100-something. So, so once they worked out where... So they, what, was there more cost after that? Yes. <laughs> right. So let me just give you the quick rundown. <laughs> yeah. So you tell them, these are all the keywords, this is what I'm looking for. They search their archives and then they send you transcripts of all of their media stories that returned those phrases that right. you asked them to wow. search. And then text. text, text, just text. Mm. And then you go through the text and you select the different clips that you want to see. Mm -hmm. And then you have to pay for that. They're called the screeners. So you pay for the, sc you pay for the research, you pay for the screeners. Screener. And they send you a screener. It's a yeah. low quality mm -hmm. uh, video file. So you can't use it? You can't use it. And also they put a timestamp on there. Mm -hmm. And then you tell them the exact timestamps that you want mm -hmm. from each video. Mm -hmm. And then you have to pay for it per second. Right. Wow. How much is the cost per second? So uh, different... Yeah, uh, roughly, roughly. Roughly. 
Uh, yeah, different ones cost different, obviously. But roughly, if you want it to be in perpetuity and you want it to be a world release that mm-hmm. covers online film festivals, mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. you're looking at three hundred dollars per second. Three hundred dollars. Yeah. I don't know. So it I was a I very expensive film. I don't know who you robbed, but you did, you did the right thing. All right. I should have robbed more people, but <laughs> yeah, it didn't I only happen. What's it some... costed you to now, do you think, Jasmine? Do you want to know? Yeah, we yeah, do appreciate yeah. appreciate because, because we appreciate the effort you've put in. People don't understand. They yeah. see a 24-minute film and they go, oh, that's wonderful. Oh, that's shitty. They don't yeah. understand. Yeah. And that's what I want to do today. I want to highlight the work that you've put into this thank production. You, Joe. Thank you. So kind of you. I really appreciate it. But to be honest, like I'm kind of ashamed of how much money I put into it. Because I wouldn't be ashamed. I just got stuck, you know? I was like getting real perfectionist. I was like, nah, it needs to look like this. It needs to be good. Like, and then it's just like more money, more f- money. F- 50 grand? Yeah. About 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. about 50. Yeah. It, looks, very... it looks amazing. I'm sure the, it will The quality be. is... Excuse Parker. me, excuse me. I, I'm a guest at the opening. Don't ruin my opening, all right? Oh, I haven't seen it, really. I'm just, <laughs> just talking crap. Good save. Good save, yeah. I'm sure you've seen it over and over again. Kelly, right. Kelly features, and she gives a superb performance. And not only does she give a superb performance, but her interview has been transposed into the most cute amazing animation by sam Wallman and bailey sharp mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. just did the mm-hmm. coolest job ever you realize she's just one of the she's just a wage slave now that's her before she was a punk activist <laughs> and she had all the accompaniments now she's just a wage slave of puff Sleeves. <laughs> it happens to all of us. So my, no, no, no. I haven't got puff sleeves. I've got no, a big belly. Funny you mention puff sleeves. One of my colleagues in my course, she's a dressmaker, so she was teaching us how to make patterns, like old school patterns from paper, where you mark up the lines, you cut them out, and then you put them on fabric. She's yeah. in her sixties. Yeah, That's yeah. a dying art. Everybody does it on computers now, That's designing. Right. Not everybody. Uh, I'm are, saying there are people you know, my age. She that still, still does like the old school, school and yeah. it was fascinating. Re- anyway, remember what cool. you did for me? You typed a handwritten manuscript. Yes. So a lot of us still <laughs> use our hands and our brains. Yes. We don't rely on computers. So I, I, could you give that? friend of yours or your acquaintance my my um my joy mm, I will. at her using her brains instead of a bloody computer mm. now getting back to you obviously you used a computer um how did you decide what was worth putting in the film or not mm. did you actually have a storyboard or not honestly it was chaos like what I've learned so much from the experience of making this film that I would have Mm. done differently if I started again. Mm. But literally this 20-minute film, I'll I'll tell you the truth. It was supposed to be like a three-minute teaser Mm -hmm. for the feature-length film. Right. And there's so much footage that it just kept getting dragged on and dragged on and dragged. And then eventually we were like, okay, we have 20 minutes now Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we're going to use as the teaser for the feature-length film. So you're going to do a feature-length? Are you going to pay? I, ho- I hope <laughs> that if people give me lots of money, because I'm not going to be continuing doing no. the money well, schemes that I was doing before. Well, people so should if, put yeah. their money where their you know, mouth is. I'm yeah. sick and tired of people. You know, I don't care if people donate. It's like Friday I find. They donate $1,000 or $5. It's the fact they give you that little bit of support. 
And I think it shows that they gave the attention and the care and they're following mm, you. And yeah, mm, it's cool. mm. Let's get back to this. I've always been interested in editing. Oh, yeah. How did you? editing. What? You hate editing. Yeah, but I know in film you need editing. There's a lot of garbage. When I write, it's all brilliance. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't even know what irony is. She's so into the system these days. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, even rides a bicycle, thinks she's a hipster, you know, in, in a city CBD hipster. Oh, yeah, Shut so up. conformist, riding yeah. a bicycle. Yeah, conformist, everybody. Capitalist. Well, that, that, that is conformity now, riding the bicycle. You need a, a Get V8. on with it. Right. How did you just, did you do a storyboard for it or not? How did you approach it, putting it together? I did that for the feature film, but because this was literally just supposed to be a tiny three-minute thing, Mm. we had no plan for it. It literally just kept going and going because we were making it while we were collecting. Who's we? um, Me and the team. A team? Yeah. So I, like, scouted the internet and stuff and found people. I asked around to see who would be interested in helping out. There was a lot of people who came and went, Mm -hmm. but... We were making this three, this supposed three-minute sneak like teaser. Mm-hmm. We were making this while we were collecting footage still, while we were interviewing people still. So the interviews that were included, they were just the interviews that we first did, and they're not even the best interviews. Like They don't look that well. The quality isn't as good. The interviews that we do later are crazy, and I haven't included that in the 20-minute version, obviously, unfortunately, because... The thing with editing and making stuff in a professional grade is once the picture lock, which means all of the videos, files and everything that is the final product, once that's finalized, you can't change it because you need to go through, pay a color grader to make all of the colors of all of the videos match. You need to pay an audio mixer and masterer to mix all of the levels of the different layered audio tracks and master the audio so it sounds good. So this 20-minute thing was finished like a year ago. Right. It was finished a year ago, and since that year, we did a really awesome interview with Uncle Larry that is just so beautiful and incredible. We did an amazing interview with Izzy Brown, Megan Fitzgerald, and the quality and everything of it is so cool. But I haven't been able to include that in the 20 minute version because the 20 minute version was finished a year ago like i said so hang on hang on hang on you finished the 20 minute version a year ago what's it been doing for a year what have i been doing for no, a year? no <laughs> the, film, the, the film the film what have you been no. doing with it what are you do? have you been hiding it under your bed or something there's no there's been a lot of things that have happened in the past year that first of all i had to go on pause for a little bit because mm-hmm. um, of some personal stuff that happened to me and right. then as well there's a lot of things that you need to finalise in terms of legal right. considerations. Tell, tell us, tell us about these legal considerations you've got to go through. So it's not so much the legal stuff that matters that much, to be honest, but it's more like consultation and community consent, which is really difficult in a project like this. What do you mean community consent? There's no such thing as community, is there? <laughs> I mean, there's no such thing, but there is a group of people who were kind of in the film who Mm -hmm. were well you need their permission don't you to use their images yeah and it's not that easy to get people's permission because especially if they did (laughs) 
Exactly. Because some people Literally, died. No, no, I know, I know. I'm, multiple I know. people died. I died, I know, yeah. I know. And I've been contacting the families. Yes. Like, I feel guilty because I've been contacting the families and, so much. And, and, and For two years I've been contacting them. I love them. They're great, obviously. <sighs> but... I still don't have their consent. No, no. So I have two weeks to get their consent. I mean, they're going to be fine with it, but no. I just need that official yes, you know? Do you get it on paper, obviously? I trust people. You trust people. Um, <laughs> no, no, sorry. When it has to be on paper, paper you get it on I have paper. it on paper. Right. But the people that I'm getting consent from, I don't legally have to get consent. No, you don't. You're doing it because you're a hu yeah. decent human being. So for being. those ones, yeah. I don't have yeah, you don't have to paperwork. Get you don't have to get consent from the dead. Seriously. <laughs> I know it's messed up, but I think you. Um, the main thing is whether it's a public space or a private space. Yes. So because of a lot of the shots were on the street, right. I don't technically need to get consent from, from any anybody. of those people. Exactly. But I still did. Mm. But I didn't get them to sign anything or right, anything right. like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just in case it becomes a bestseller, then you'll they'll all go to oh. their, they'll all go to their uh, lawyers and you no. know and they want their cut. That's the way it goes. No, what I learnt. I mean, this is kind of boring, but no, it's it, not it boring. is kind of interesting. Yeah. Like what I learnt from this project, which was the biggest learning I think in terms of just like legal stuff and production, is that if you actually want your film to. Let's say you're hoping that SBS is going to acquire pick it, up, it yep. and pick it up or ABC is going to acquire mm -hmm. it. Like you need a full-time legal person. Like you need to have that. Otherwise, you're never going to get to SBS mm -hmm. because the stuff that I realized now that I needed to be on top of, like everything needs to be complete, like insurance, yep. counsel, consent. Yeah. All of this stuff, which obviously if you're a DIY filmmaker, yeah. you're not going to insure your whole crew. They're all volunteering. That's you're, right. You know, That's right. You're not going to get consent from the Yarra yeah. Council to yeah. film on the street. Yeah. We were actually filming outside the Yarra Council town hall, mm. and I will defame them. No, I won't defame. But like, I will mention them because this actually did happen. And they came outside, and they were like, why are you filming? And we're like, this is literally on Google Street yep. View. Like, Google can do this. We can do this. That's right. And they were like, no, you can't. You need you need to go through the process, and I was just like, whatever. <laughs> no, you know, you know, it's it's a public building. But they literally, because we were filming the town hall Doesn't on matter. um. They think that is. They, I argued with her. I did. They'll, I was lo they'll like, lose legally. It's a public facade. Yeah, it's it's a public facade. Absurd. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't get pushed around by. But the fact, yeah, I didn't. I didn't go through the process. Obviously. No, no, it's a public facade. Yeah. Otherwise. But in terms of so, like, to get your film, you need to uh, get a lawyer to. That's right. Yeah, make um, it, yeah. Write this statement, which is basically. So what you anyway, what so, you've done, what you've done, Jasmine, is you've <laughs> cut a lot of chains with your bolt cutters. Remember? That? Did you ever hear about the toe cutters? No. No, they were uh, an interesting group of criminals in Melbourne in the 1970s. They used to. I love criminals. Yeah, no, you wouldn't like this crew. <laughs> they they actually used to steal from criminals because there are a lot of. Big, Don't like them anymore. <laughs> there are a lot of big bank hoists at that particular point in time because it was a different world, you know. And they used to do their research, then they'd corner the criminals who did the bank hoist, and then they would bring out their toe cutters. And they'd ask them where the money was, and if they didn't tell them, they kept cutting toes until they got their answer. So you don't like these people, all right? So money what is I mean genius. is, that's genius. what you did. You just cut all those chains. How does that connect? Well, the fact is, Jasmine did a lot of work and a lot of it outside the box. One because she didn't know, 
and two, because when she confronted it, many she said, "I oh, stuffed this. I'm not going to go through all this garbage just to put a film about something I was in, which was important to me and the people around me." Who has control over that? Our story. They still want control over your story oh, of Bendigo totally. Street. So what she did is she kicked butt. Simple. Congratulations. Thank you. I did do that. Yeah. yeah. It was very you, difficult. You'd have to. I mean, I, I've been involved in things and, you know, doing things. And it's so many times, if you go up the right channels, you will never, never get it done. In 99% Facts. of cases, Facts. because you're not doing a commercial film. Yeah. You're not going to get sued. Yeah. yeah. And they can't put you in jail. And you won't get sued because it's not commercial. There's no money there. Facts. Yeah. So. But that's why SBS and ABC are never going to acquire it, is just what I'm saying, which I don't care. I know why they're not acquire it because you're not going to actually give it to them because you don't think they deserve it because of the job, bad job they did reporting Bendigo Street. <laughs> yeah. I honour that. <laughs> now, now, Kelly, I understand you're involved with this uh, desperado here yeah. in this project. Well, what's, what's your role? In what? You know, aren't you two together? Oh, yeah, we're holding, an, we're holding an event next yeah. month. Yeah. So What's the event? It's called um, Peer Stories of Homelessness in Nam, and it's a double event. So Jazz is going to um, launch her film, mm. and um, Spike and I are going to have a party launch um, for the um, Homeless in Hotels radio series mm -hmm. at a very nice um, venue in... Um, North Melbourne, the Institute of Postcolonial Studies. Um, it's going to be catered. Uh, we invite all our family and friends, and some um, tickets will be available for the public. And um, yeah, we'll have a panel there speaking about their lived experience of um, talking about their experience as a peer, you know, homeless peer or an alcohol and other drug peer, or how people, you know, um, uh, handle their mental health, you know, during the hotel accommodation scheme. And Jasmine will talk about other things connected to Bendigo Street issues. Yeah, and there'll be a screening of the 20-minute film, mm. exclusive screening, because it's not going to be made available online. Um, exactly. Gonna... That's very smart. Very, very, you've learnt very <laughs> quickly. Yes, very smart, because it was available online. People do what they like with it. Exactly. Congratulations. You're learning quickly for a young <laughs> filmmaker. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't know if you know the answer, and this will show you you're in the big league. You spent 50 grand on this, all yeah. right? Plus, plus or minus, you know, a few grand, who cares? How much, you know, there's a new movie come out by Netflix called The Grey Man. Oh, guaranteed. If it's Netflix, more than one million budget, guaranteed. Two hundred and fifty million. Goodness. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two. I mean, one million was ridiculous million. that I said that, That's but it's right. just like minimum to make a film, yeah. you know. Minimum one hundred. Is that a movie or a series? A movie, I think. The Grey yeah. Man, a movie. They're I mean, averaging. They're averaging one hundred and fifty to two hundred million to make a movie. It's so easy to spend a lot of money on a film because mm. think of all the different elements. Mm. Like it's not mm. just mm. one painting or one image. Like you're literally dealing with billions of images that you need to think about every second with the audio, the colour, the story, the, the level of production is very complex. Mm. And then on top of that, legal rights, people's wages, you know, it's Agn just... Acknowledgements. Yeah, so easy to just drop money on it.
Mm. Yeah. Mm. So it, that's why it's a very, very corrupt industry. Mm. It's very, very exclusive. It's impossible to penetrate. You can't get your foot in the door. And people literally work years and years and years and years and years for free and still don't ever get paid. Yeah, yeah. So obviously you haven't got any contracts coming up, have you, Jess? No, I would yeah. never, ever work in the film industry. Yeah. I wouldn't do it if my life depended on it, to be honest, because yeah. it's just all about sucking ass who you know so mm. that you can get this grant or that grant, and I'm just not that kind of person. So you didn't apply for any grants? No. I mean, I applied for a couple, and I got rejected. You got rejected. <laughs> yeah. so they said, who's this yeah. whippersnipper? What, where, where's her <laughs> curriculum vita? How many films has she done? Exactly. People yeah. don't realise that. Uh, are you over 35? No. Will you be over 35 in three years? No. Hmm. <laughs> you should. No, 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 no. Look, we've just, uh, the Ellen Jose Memorial Foundation, which I'm the director of, that's my late wife, we've just had the f- inaugural um, competition for young female artists between 18 and 35, and it's all media. Well, you've got three years to produce something. And if you go down to the Bayside uh, Gallery... You'll see the standard of the work. There are six finalists from all over Australia. There's a $15,000 first prize. There's a $3,000 prize. If you're a, if you're a, one of the six finalists, you get brought to Melbourne. Accommodation. Cool. It's cool. So maybe you should think about, and I'm, I'm, this is just for all the listeners. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. When my wife died, she had two wishes. One was reconciliation because she was Indigenous, but two because she was a very well-known visual artist. She was interested in assisting young women between 18 and 35 because that's when most people drop out because they come, a, like you said, it's not a glass ceiling, it's not an iron curtain, it's a kryptonite yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> curtain. And, it, and it's to give people a little bit of assistance in their that's careers. That's so cool, that's so, so cool. So think about it, yeah. you know. Yeah. Don't yeah. lie about your age, but we'll find out. So content. Mm-hmm. How did you choose content for the film? Like I said, it was really spontaneous. It was based on the footage that we had, you know. Uh, now, hang on, hang on. You did, you had you had no idea what you wanted to do. Straight up, like we were. I'm telling you, this 20 minute film was literally just chaos. Like it was just like, oh, put that and that and that. Oh, and then, like we we were, you know. It doesn't look like chaos. Let <laughs> me tell you, the produ- the production process was chaos. The final result is mint and it looks awesome, and I'm really happy with it. But the process of it was very very chaotic and spontaneous, and just going with whatever we had, you mm. know. Um, it it was crazy. To be honest, I don't. I can't even answer that question. How did we select the content? Right. There, there's a narrative there, though. The narrative, yes. The narrative, definitely. Like with the animation, because we were working with people that really needed a clear visual idea of what we wanted. The that process was a lot more conscious and considered, and the reason that we chose those specific bits of it to be in animation is because they were the parts that were illegal. And we didn't want to have anyone on camera mm-hmm. and have any footage of people breaking into houses or whatever. You yeah, know? I understand. Yeah. So we did an animation, so and we had to give a script and detail it exactly. So that was a lot more conscious. But with the other stuff, yeah, it was basically trying to tell the story in a way that made sense. And so it was just basically thinking about 
what are all of the aspects of this story that need to be told so that people understand what happened and what's going on. And it turns out that we really needed to give a backstory of the East-West Link because it wasn't possible to convey the story of Bendigo Street without that background information because in a lot of the footage, people were saying things, East-West Link, referring to the East-West Link, this, that. And it was unusual that we had footage of people talking about that without any context and any knowledge of how these houses came to be on that street. So we had to dedicate a significant portion of the film to giving that backstory. And it was just based on necessity and what mm. elements we needed to make it make sense. So is it chronological or is it kind of topsy-turvy? It's chronological, yeah. Chronological. What's the ending? Don't tell us exactly. Is it sad? Is it positive? Is it happy? Will it make a sad person like me sadder? So a lot of people... After they watched it, they said they cried. They cried, right. Oh, that's nice. I that's think always tears of joy. Yeah. It's always It's very good. inspirational. It's very good that people cry at the end of your work. It yeah. means you've been able to That was the best compliment yeah. I ever got. I was yeah. like, really? Yeah. You cried? And it was a group of people, and they're like, we all cried. It was actually the um, Homes Not Prisons crew. Right. They're very wow. awesome. They're that's really amazing. cool. They're mm. lovely people, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. Shows you. But you didn't do it artificially because you can make people cry in films artificially you know that there's, there's a process there's a process you go through you didn't do that did you no i didn't have the resources to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so you relied on pure talent okay let's take the accolades all right have you got any um thoughts about bendigo street itself as you're involved in most of it oh i have a lot of thoughts what aspects of it do you mean like what what do you think was it worthwhile did it achieve anything? Would you do it again? Yes, to all of those questions, very easily, very, very easily. Yeah, the way that I would do it would be very different. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I would, but it wouldn't just be up to me. Obviously. No, 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 obviously. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the saying... way that I would engage with it on a personal level mm. level would be very different. But I would one hundred percent commit a lot of time to do that kind of project again and I think it was absolute and I'm not just saying this because I made a film about it I think making the film really solidified that for me because I had to go back and recollect the, and it was kind of traumatizing to be honest but it was also like it wasn't traumatizing it was triggering because I had to relive the whole experience that mm. we all had that was very traumatizing in lots of different ways mm. I had to relive that whole thing but it was an awesome processing mm. journey and it made me realize that there was such like really, really significant ways that Bendigo, the Bendigo Street campaign made an impact to individual people's lives mm -hmm. that wasn't documented and wasn't made aware to the broader community that was involved mm. in this campaign. What you've done is something um, very, very important because sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. And in most times in radical activity, especially direct action, the record is lost. Mm. It disappears. It hasn't happened. It's written out of the historical context. So what you've done is you've nailed a moment in time or a few months in time with that film. And that's exceptionally important in terms of giving hope and courage to new generations mm. and, you know, people. And that's what you've done. That, that, that's an extraordinarily mm. important thing. And you may never do anything more important in your life. I'm sorry, Jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> now, you may make brilliant films and get your $250 million contracts, but in terms of the passion that you showed as far as this was concerned, this film was concerned, you may never experience that again. Yeah, that's and, true. That's know, very true. Because you, you may, the next time you may be a little bit more structured, you know, this is the rules, this is what you need to do. But the first time, as they say, it's usually more, in, you, know, mm. you know, more memorable. So any plans for the future? Yes, my ideal situation is being able to get this to a feature length because, like I said, we had filmed really amazing interviews, especially the interview with Uncle Larry. I really want to get that onto a film that continues on from what's already been made and extends it to 60 minutes. At the moment, it's 20 minutes. So that would be really exciting because... There's so much footage mm. that is really mint, amazing footage that we have that could be included in that feature length, and mm. I'm dying to get it to a feature length. Yeah. Mm. So how are you going to finance it? you got any plans? So there is a fundraiser mm. at the moment mm -hmm. that literally just went online like a week ago right. on Documentary Australia Foundation. And what's it called, the fundraiser? It's called Bendigo Street. A feature-length documentary. That's it? That's it. You say, give me money. Yeah. Give That's me money, it. please, everyone. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you've got to use everything yeah. at your disposal. You're not going to get the government giving you money. Or exactly. You're not going to get uh, poor old Twiggy giving you a few mil to... Well, yeah. that's what I'm hoping for, actually. No, Fingers crossed. Yeah, and Twiggy yeah. and uh, Gina and yeah. look, are they personal friends? Maybe I can organise a meeting for you. You know, I thank think you, you're talented you. young people, especially like with you. Gina. I'd really love to meet her. Yeah, well, she's a role model of mine. But. Well, well, I think I think she should be a role model for <laughs> you. I mean, she had a very difficult upbringing with her father yeah. and her stepmother. So you know, yeah. she, I'm sure you could learn a few things <laughs> from her. But I'll, yeah. I'll see what I can do. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll ring up Barnaby Joyce, a personal mate, and he's a good friend of Gina's, and we'll see what we can organise for you. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, you'll do well. But yeah, there's three different events that the 20-minute film is going to be screening at to promote the mm. fundraiser. The first one is the 13th of August, um, Peer Stories. Stories of Homelessness in Nam. That's the joint event with Kelly and the uh, Homeless in Hotels podcast. You told me it was in three weeks' time. Two it's, weeks. It's two weeks. 13th of August. No, yeah. Two weeks, three weeks. No, 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 hang on. It's us busy people. We've got a busy schedule like every listener you know, to Radical Australia, they need a bit... So when are the tickets to the public going out? Soon. What, what does soon mean? <laughs> Monday. Come on. Monday. A few probably. days' time. Yeah. Yeah, but how, how do they access it? Eventbrite. Eventbrite. On the Institute of Postcolonial Studies website, all the information will be there. What? Institute of Postcolonial Studies. Studies. So ipcs.org.au. .au. No, just .org. .org. I don't know. They're going to go quick. They're going to go very quick. Yeah, what's the cost? No cost. No cost. It's just registration. They will. Well, you better register a few more people than normal because you know what happens with registrations. People don't turn up. Mm. They're lazy. Mm. I'm turning up. That's good. But, you know, we're turning yeah. up. Yeah. But the other two screenings, the next one is at the Forum for Dwelling Justice, which is on. Hang on. What is that? What's that? The Forum for Dwelling Justice. Forum for Dwelling. Forum. 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 Oh, forum, forum. I'm thinking. <laughs> Sorry, my Australian accent. Yeah. It's not yeah, that great. Yeah, yeah. Look, you're not one of us yet, <laughs> <No>. babe. <laughs> Love. 
<laughs> love. That's that's a bit old Bay. fashioned. That's not Aussie. <laughs> that's it's love. No, we're we're that's both useless at being that's like bit, Australian. That's, <laughs> that's, there's nothing wrong with being Australian. You've got to know how know. to say it. Australia. 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 Yeah. Australia. Yeah. Australia. Yeah. Were you born here? No. Oh, God. Another one of these foreigners causing trouble. So how do you say it? Forum. 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 There used to be... They, Forum. You, you'll love this. In the 60s, there was this light um, sexual magazine called Forum. Okay. Which was big in the 60s because, you know, sex, nobody spoke about sex. And people would send in their experiences and they write it up. It was a big scandal. But the Forum, obviously, is Roman from the Forum where you talk to people. You come together with your neighbours and harangue them. So... You got any other plans? Yeah, the, so the Forum for Dwelling Justice, that will be screened. The Ben Negoshi documentary will be screened there and there'll also be a discussion, mm-hmm. which is very exciting because it's going to be at the Capitol Theatre, which has a capacity of like 1,000. So I'm hoping that it will be 1,000 people. Whew. That's very exciting. That's on the 26th of August and there's going to be like multiple panels talking about yeah. different topics. And, and Doing supporting, cross, supporting, yeah. doing yeah, crossovers yeah. and things. Yeah, yeah I, I got my email. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last screening is going to be with Homes Not Prisons on mm. the 10th of September. Where will that be? It's not 100% confirmed, but mm. potentially the Queen Victoria something, women's mm. something. Mm. Right. Yeah. Oh, I know. It'll be the Queen Victorian Women's Centre. Yes. Uh, near the corner of Lonsdale and... Swanson Street. You know the history of that sector? Kelly, I taught Kelly yes. all about it. It yeah. used to be the Jesse McPherson Hospital. Mm. Okay. The first women. women's hospital in Melbourne. Okay. Mm. In cool. Victoria. And it was, they, they, you'll love this. Mm. It was built by the women of Victoria in the 1880s and 1890s, donating one penny, right? To have this hospital. Then the Kane Labor government private closed it down. Dogs. And, and they left. This little section at the front. The facade. As the facade as a women's centre. You like it? So hopefully you'll have it there and you'll remind them of their history. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you and your sidekick, Kelly. Other way around. I'm the sidekick. No, no, no. Kelly's a world-famous producer (laughs) and they're irrelevant because they're two and six a dozen. You are an extraordinary filmmaker and you came to it through experience, and I'd like to congratulate you. Thank you. And hopefully you will do m- much more work in this area because what you've got, what's important, what you've got, is a lot of people don't have, passion and enthusiasm. And there's too many young people who act like old people and too many old people who act like old people. We need more people with passion and enthusiasm. Hopefully you can organise it with Kelly to get her some passion and enthusiasm <laughs> come on Kelly it's your thanks for listening we'll see you next week Devanayong Bara Tulang Alana Yorwe
Imagine what it would be like to be homeless in a city under curfew and in lockdown. When your everyday life has been turned upside down and it becomes illegal to be on the street. Tune in to Homeless in Hotels. A three-part radio series giving voice to the people who went from a life on the street to a life in hotels. And the support workers experiencing the shifting ground on the front line of COVID-19. Premiering on Thursday, July 28th, 12pm to 1pm. On 3CR, 855 AM. Homeless in Hotels, a 3CR supporter. Get your free ticket to the upcoming Forum for Dwelling Justice, an activist-driven event featuring speakers including Senator Lydia Thorpe, Debbie Kilroy, Rouge Amity, Whit Gari, and more. The Forum brings together grassroots activists and campaign groups to strengthen solidarity movements resisting ongoing colonial dispossession, housing injustice, incarceration, and poverty. The Forum ends with film screenings and a discussion between Uncle Larry Walsh, the filmmakers, and guests with lived experience of homelessness, displacement, squatting, and public housing. The event will run from 1 to 7 p.m. on Friday, the 26th of August at the Capitol Theatre, 113 Swanson Street, Narm. Entry is by donation. Join us to identify the radical potential for resistance to dispossession and displacement in Narm. To register, head to cur.org.au forward slash events or check the 3CR website for details. The Forum for Dwelling Justice is brought to you by RMIT's Centre for Urban Research, a 3CR supporter. VCR is about community, and we welcome your participation at the station. 3CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills, or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at 3CR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch. been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.